Hi, I'm Ursula Sullivan. I'm Joanna Strumpf, and you're listening to the Sullivan and Strumpf podcast. This week, we're going to be hearing from Lewis Ho and Jeremy Sharma. Lewis Ho is one of our favorite people in Singapore. He is a great fun guy with an infinite knowledge of the Southeast Asian art world. Jeremy Sharma is an artist that we represent as a fabulous Singaporean artist who makes some truly interesting works, sound works, works on paper. He has made 3D works. He's an incredibly interesting artist and I can't wait to hear what comes out of this conversation. Let's talk about your sound work, not just in terms of your reason practice, but really the very early years of your career, if you want to use that word, as a musician you know, the early years of the 2000s. Kill Your Television, Tiramisu, you even put out a couple of albums. Yeah, I I did all that while I was in and out of school. Music is kind of my first love because I was playing music even before I joined art school. So I was already playing in bands. I'm not school in music. I can't read or write music. But it was really just like DIY and, and punk stuff. These are things which I still do to this day. When I came to art school, I I was in a metal band. But as I got to know more about fine arts and contemporary art, we we formed another band with my classmates and we called ourselves Tiramisu. And that, I would say, is a band that kind of merged art rock, you know, and performance with music. So my frontman, Rizman, he's also very much practicing today. He's doing a lot of theatre. So we have quite a number of like well-known members and then, and then Kill Your Television, KYTV, which was a kind of offshoot from the Tiramisu band. And that's when we dabbled in like theatre and art events and performances. And we had uh, Choi, Choi Kafai who was part of it as well. And he's now in, I think he's in Taiwan or Berlin now, also doing very much performance-based or video kind of work. Yeah, so that's kind of my roots. And I kind of left the, the band around 05 to do my, my MA because I, I thought I would end up making paintings for a career. Which you did, actually. Yeah, I did for a while, but I got bored. I think I was restless and I, I don't really consider myself a kind of like painter, painter kind of person. So, I mean, I, I like all kinds of disciplines. But what were some of your musical influences? Who were you listening to? What really sort of like came true as an impact in your own music making, your own sonic sensibilities? Oh my God, there's so many bands, man. <laughs> it's like, where do you even start? I mean, it's very eclectic as in we have diverse days. But really, if it's not the grunge bands of the 90s, it was probably bands like Talking Heads, Bowie, some of the electronic stuff, the Pixies. And for nuclear families, I think it was more experimental. So it was a lot of like, I was listening to a lot of free jazz and improvisational music as well. Electronic music, uh, noise, musicians like Merzbau, people like Miles Davis, you know. I have pretty diverse taste. I mean, I can listen from anything from like piano music to really just all out noise, you know. I do want to talk also about the Fidelity Project. This was last year and it was compelling to say the least. I think I was influenced by probably events that was happening in the world, but also because I was really restless and I I, I yearned to travel around the region to find out more about songs that uh, communities make. And I decided to turn it into a project. It, It was an idea I already had in mind, but I think the Hermes project kind of solidified it. The idea was to travel around the region 
I was interested in the Orang Selita, which was basically the sea gypsies, which used to live in the north of Singapore and where I used to live in uh, uh, Yishun, near the Selita Sea, right? Just before the government dammed it into a reservoir. Uh, it was, it's the south of Johor. So basically, there was a kind of political rule over the land which they used to inhabit. And there was a dispute with the government to came back for redevelopment of condos. So I was interested in that politically as much as I was interested in these people and the kind of songs that they sing around their livelihood and it always revolves around the water. So I think it's just coupled with all these interests that links to the other communities like the for the Rohingya community, it was basically school kids and they are hosted by the Malaysian Relief Agency. So it took me a while to actually get to them for them to agree to be part of the project. I work with their religious teacher who actually wrote the songs that, that, that you hear in Fidelity. And the other communities were the Javanese community. The Kristang is a little bit closer to home because my, my, grand, my grandparents were from the Kristang community. So, so they came from uh, Malacca and they sing in a kind of Creole language, like a kind of vernacular Portuguese. We've heard so much about these dying languages, right? And the Kristang is one of those of Malaysia. Older communities that are slowly dying out or becoming assimilated into the mainstream. Uh, yeah. Was it difficult for you to actually locate some of these individuals who could actually sing in these languages? It was difficult and yet it was not. It's, it's, just, it's just a bit of research, you know what I mean? They are, they are on social media as well. So it's just making the necessary arrangements. To sum it up, it was just basically an interest in languages which are not part of the mainstream anymore. I was interested in, 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 in a kind of oral culture which used to be more prominent but it's being subsumed in, in modern society. It was a real challenging project because it's also about the installation and the aesthetics of presentation. So for this project, I think the tension is, is also because it's such a high-end fashion store. And that sound, that sort of like that inner sanctum, that temple of sound, for me, is actually also very visual. That brings us, of course, to your more recent noise making or your more recent noise work. And you have in mind, I know, an album, a concept album. It's uh, something that I've been working with. It's really based on my synth work. It's basically a very simple electronic analog modulator. So it's basically just frequency generators. And I wanted to make um, like a kind of ambient come noise kind of album in a kind of like minimalist tradition as well, but with my take. The, the album was done like a travelogue in Rajasthan. Of your time in India. It's like my sketchbook. I wanted to create a concept album where I make a limited edition of 50 copies on vinyl and that itself is, is a kind of artwork where I will also design the album cover. So mm -hmm. it's all kind of like conceptualized as an artwork yet it's also a record. Of course you have one of the tracks included in the upcoming show that I put together at Sullivan and Strumpf which is called Fowls. <laughs> I mean or PH slash Owls. Yeah so that's one of the tracks and I'm thinking of maybe around 10 tracks getting at least 50 collectors as part of the project. So I think it will come with a copy of the, of the digital file if, in case you don't have a turntable. And I think that's important because most of us don't these days. But you know, like a record lasts forever. I mean, like an art object as well. And, and also these are things which are, it's not quite common in, in Singapore. So I wanted to try it, but you know, there's been crossovers elsewhere, you know, where, where artists cross over into music, you know. Um, in the beginning, you really saw your music making and your visual practice as quite separate trajectories or separate tracks, so to speak. Um, but now there's a continuum, and I see it too. But how do you see it? How does your sonic work fit in with your more visual object making? I think it makes sense in the way I use technology and almost like a way um, using technology as a mode of production, looking at the artist producer. 
I think it's also linked to a kind of aesthetics and our presentation in different kinds of formats and interfaces. Right, exactly. And the aesthetics of abstraction that, you know, again, very much present in your visual practice, but also in terms of your noise making. It's abstract noise and sound. And I guess that's what I think of as that Jeremy Sharma-esque mood, right? Yeah, there's a kind of like otherworldly element and kind of distance to that as well, which is, seems to be in, in a lot of my work. Flat opens at Sullivan and Strum virtually on June 16th. That's when it goes live. And Jeremy Sharma sound work or track files is included. And there will also be a bit about his upcoming concept album. That was Lewis Ho in conversation with Jeremy Sharma. Thank you for listening. I hope you loved it as much as we do. You can check out the exhibition Flat, which Lewis has wonderfully put together for Sullivan Strump in Singapore. That show will launch live in July. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcasts and also why not subscribe to our email. Go to the contact page on our website, sullivanstrumpf.com. You'll be able to subscribe for either monthly or weekly emails and get in the know about all things happening at our gallery. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.